What is up, guys? Welcome to another edition to the, of the Got Next Podcasts. Podcasts. It's been a podcast. <laughs> we should be pod dogs, I think. Yeah. Boo. But anyway, it's been a while. I've been away. I apologize for that. Rafa is under no fault. We've been away. That's right. <laughs> but we're back, and I think today, but no better day to get to get back on the pod. I mean, what an incredible game six we had earlier. Yeah, um, it's still but, painful. But yeah, I forgot to do yourselves. I'm Carlos, joined as always by my trusty co-host Rafa. What is up? How broken is your heart? Uh, so broken, but <laughs> but we have we have a game seven. All is not lost. Um, we've won two games on the road. We're just gonna have to do it again. Where I really wish we weren't in this situation, and we were doing a finals preview. That's what I was really hoping for, but it is what yeah. it is. I mean, we knew the Miami Heat were gonna come out fighting, so this isn't a surprise at all. Yeah, I mean, um, that's it. Really sucks. They they worked so hard to get home home court advantage twice, steal it back twice, steal it back twice. They only to blow it twice. Yeah, each time. Um, so I mean, I guess we'll have to see what happens on Monday or Sunday, uh, U.S. time. <laughs> Yes, uh, I I can't wait, but I'm nervous, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, looking forward, but not looking forward. <laughs> no. Um. Okay, but we'll definitely get into the game six and that whole Boston Celtics Miami Heat series. But I think one thing we'll do first in UNB news, key thing that happened, and of of course the ESPN. Was talking about this throughout the whole series during the half times, which is really annoying. But go ahead. <laughs> really annoying. Uh, the Lakers have hired Dev- Darvin Ham, former PBA import Darvin Ham. <laughs> oh, is that true? Yeah, I, oh, I, I didn't know that. I forget which <laughs> team he played for, but like right after the he they won the championship in 04 with the Pistons, he went to he went to the Philippines to be an import. <laughs> Okay, I, that's I, actually incredible. Yeah, I apparently he hated it because there was too much. It was he, he was jet lag. He like literally hopped off the plane and straight into the PBA. So he was really jet lag. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> and there was so much pressure because he's like the import. It's supposed to be supposed to carry it, but I ended up losing. I need I need to look this up more. But I remember reading this in uh, I think it's called Pacific Rims by Rafe Bartholomew. Good good read. Ooh, yes. Okay. I'll uh, I'll have to look into that. But um but yeah. Darkenham, yeah. a current he was an assistant on the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. Um I think I read he was with the with coach Bud since the Atlanta days. Yeah. Basically a pop descendant, which is Yeah. He's pop grandchild, I guess. <laughs> So that'll be so that'll be interesting, and I think these new coaches who are taking like what the older coaches have done and kind of expanding on it into the modern game, they have seemed to really work. Um, and so I like the Darvin Ham hire. I'm just more glad that they didn't hire Mark Jackson. 
I'm so glad I didn't hire Mark Jackson. Um, so yeah, I think I think Darvin Ham is going to be a really good one. He seems to have a really good rapport with the players. Um, I really just wish that they didn't spend the entire halftime show talking about this because there was a currently a game going on, and you can tell. Like I think even there was a halftime show where um, Richard Jefferson and Kendrick Perkins were annoyed talking about the Lakers. In fact, I'm kind of annoyed talking about the Lakers. The only reason I agreed to this is because it, it was actually a good hire and I was all for a Darvin Ham hire. Yeah, I mean, I think I wouldn't have included it if it was still like in the speculation phase, but they <sighs> they dropped the Roach bomb like right before game six. I think it was like 8.23 and the game supposed to start at 8.30, but we know no NBA games start at like 10 minutes after or whatever. Especially ESPN games. They're always late. Yeah, it's really, really annoying. But anyway. All right. Well, let's move on. This is a really good hire by the Lakers. Um, that's really all I'm going to say about it because I don't want to talk about the Lakers anymore. <laughs> I'm a Celtics fan. Let's talk about the fucking Celtics. Let's go. Let's go. Let's. So I, while we're on this, let's let's start talking about kind of our game six reactions, but just to kind of get up to speed with what had happened. Um, basically, so game three, that's when Bam Adebayo went nuts. And the Miami Heat made a, a big adjustment because um, they got punched in the mouth in game two. Yeah. Um, right. So um, what they did was trying to get more rim pressure by involving Bam. And what they did was they kind of spread the floor out more and gave Bam a little more room to operate. It also helped that Rob Williams wasn't in that game. Yeah. So what the Celtics did the next two games is they went to drop coverage. Game four really stymied that role. And then the Heat were trying to find some stuff. And then game five, um, the Celtics kept going to that. And it actually kind of looked like the Heat were getting good stuff for the most part. Max Truce pull-ups aren't great, but other than that, they had the proper counters. They just didn't make their shots. So Boston wins game five. They had a lot of open shots that they were making earlier in the playoffs that they didn't. Yeah, they. I think it was just a bad shooting night. And I still think that the Celtics outplayed them because they were getting a lot of good stuff on different types of actions. Um, so I thought that Boston still won that game, but Miami missing... Uh, all those shots, why they got blown out. So let's go to game six, where we have to start with motherfucking Draymond Green. <laughs> a fucking asshole. He knew exactly what he was doing. He's such a chess player, and it pisses me off. It's it's smart. I mean, he knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah, he said, we're going to play the Celtics um, just to piss off the heat, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you done his exactly. was really pissed. <laughs> Broke the code. Yeah. No, I think Draymond broke the code to piss him off because here's the thing. I I don't actually think he cares who they play. Because yeah. Draymond's probably looking at these two teams like, oh, dude, we got this. They can't stop us. Yeah. But what he wanted it to, to happen was go to a game seven because it's a slugfest. Because now they're both going to have to travel to Miami. They probably traveled to Miami last night after that tough game. Yeah. Travel to Miami late because they have to play on Sunday and then going to a game seven, which will really fatigue you. 
then instead of having six days to prepare, you have four days. While the Warriors have been preparing for this, they have now 48 hours, and they're going to have that much more time to really scout things. So Draymond knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. um, So smart. It pisses me off. (laughs) He jinxed the Celtics. Kendrick Perkins jinxed the Celtics. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, you know, I I guess he started it, but I feel like the whole, at least on Twitter, it seemed like everyone was penciling in the Celtics. Except maybe a few Celtics fans were like, oh, not yet. Yeah. I unfortunately at work, everyone was like, oh, it looks like the Celtics are going to play the Warriors. I'm like, guys, there's, they have to win one more game. Like Miami's not going to go away. Just yeah. because, like the, just the, the series before the Bucks won game five and we ended up winning that series. The exact same thing can happen here and it's Miami. So let's pump the brakes. Celtics have to finish this. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a game though. Game six. Um, Finally, a good game. I think it was a, the first good game of the series. I mean, game three was close, but that was a shitty game. <laughs> I don't care what yeah. he, I don't care if it was close. It was a shitty game just because oh, there were injuries. I, it was yeah. bad basketball, I feel. This one was a bit better. Yeah. Man. But uh, let's, let's start with start. The, the man of the hour. I mean, Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I think he needs seven points, eight assists. Insane. He needs to change his nickname from Jimmy G Buckets to Jimmy LeBron James Butler. <laughs> channeling channeling 2012 LeBron in, in in today's game. My God. Yeah. I mean, he shot 16 of 29 from the field. And I mean, when Butler hits four of eight from three, in addition to getting to the free throw line 11 times, that's going to be hard to beat. I mean... He scored 47 points supremely efficiently. How the fuck do you beat that? And then he was really good on defense. He got four steals. Like, I, yeah, you, he was all you over told the me before the game that was going to be Jimmy Butler's stat line, I would have said, all right, time to prepare for game seven. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I, how the fuck do you beat? The, the thing that you give up to Butler is the thing, one of the things that he killed you with. Yeah. And he... He also made like, and even when they did not give him anything, he just had it tonight. I mean, not you don't have to look further yeah. than like that stupid buzzer beater shot. I would like a minute to go. <laughs> the fake handoff to the shot. Yeah. Ah. Heartbreak. When he made that. I was like, all right, game seven. <laughs> it's like, it's uh, the Heat have it. The Heat have it. And then when also Struess had a similar shot, uh, like earlier in the quarter, I was like, yeah. We're done. Or it was like five feet from the court from the three-point line or something. And oh. But yeah, I have to give props to Jimmy Butler. He did a really good job of executing the play better adjustment. Yes. Yes. That was yes. probably the best adjustment that he made was uh play better. He knew um, what he had to do. <laughs> but in all seriousness, the Jimmy did such a good job of eating up the space that the Heat were going to give him. Because like the way John Morant beats drop is, I mean, his he doesn't really have much of a counter in that regard other than a floater, but he's so fast and he gets that space so quick that the big can't really contest him. It's basically what Butler did. Um, and not only that, but in the first quarter, Butler like had three or four cuts to the basket. 
mm-hmm. and he mixed in some picket like rolls to the basket here and there. And he got three offensive rebounds to boot. Like Butler gets to the rim in basically every which way you can think of. And he does it at such a high level that it's hard to like really stop him. Even though he was limping, like there were times when he kind of took a hit and he was limping. Yeah, I think, yeah. And then I think even with like three minutes late in the game, he rolled his ankle, I think, landing on Horford or someone. Did, yeah. He kind of tweaked it. And he, yeah. I mean, he didn't leave, but man. What a performance. All timer, like, to be honest, like one of the best games. Sucks yeah, it had man. to come at the, at the expense of the Celtics. <laughs> yeah, but it was, it was great to watch. We, we kind of needed a game like this. Because we hadn't seen one in a while. Um, yeah. I mean, people were talking about all the blowouts that were happening. Right. Finally a good game. <laughs> Finally a good game. Um, and I think towards the end of the game, uh, beyond just Jimmy getting buckets, uh, the Celtics made several crucial mistakes. Jalen Brown missing those two crucial free throws that I think would have cut it to one or something like that. No, no. It, was, it was a tie game. Oh, it was a tie game. Uh, and he missed both. And then, like, the, the Heat went on, like, a 6-0 run or something. Yeah. So you got to make those at least one. I mean, you got to make your free throws. And then there are a couple of late turnovers and stuff that uh, are, was kind of um, emblematic of basically every Heat win. Um, every time the Heat have won, it's when they've been putting a ton of pressure on Boston using a ton of physicality to speed them up. And then they kind of shrink the floor. They shrink the yeah, passing. Yeah. Lanes. It's always like when the Celtics are making a ton of live ball turnovers that they lose the games. And Miami crazy. did that really well today. Yeah. I think you could, you could, I think I, once Derek White hit the three to put them up three, like I, I guess they kind of, to me, it felt like they started playing like they, they expected the heat to like just go away. Uh, yeah, I, I can see that. I think they went away from one of the act, some of the actions that were then, yeah. getting them a ton of stuff. Yeah. And then like when they started to go down, then they got, then they went down, they were trying to, they were panicking a little bit. Like they were fouling yeah. on the rebounds yeah. and things like that, giving them free points on the other end. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think they tightened up for sure. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, Miami won this game and there are a couple things that the Celtics need to do. And it's one is, you know, don't let the heat speed you up like that. Um, because that's when you make mistakes. I mean like that, um, Jason Tatum turnover where, um, PJ Tucker stripped him. Uh, they did the, the KD defense, the thing that they did to KD (laughs) where on the catch Tucker was on him and they had a low guy and the guy at the nail ready to help and then that's how tucker ambushed him yep yep on the move and it's like you know you gotta like take your time don't let them trap you like that and then you have to read the floor and make the simple pass because he he, yep. he baited tucker just tucker stole it from him like tatum didn't really have a plan Turned right into it right exactly and right into him it's exactly what they did to kd so he's gotta he's gotta be better about that i thought one of the things that the celtics found late in that game that they kind of went away from um, was pick and rolls involving either Al Horford or Derek White. They're two best secondary passers, especially Horford. Yeah. Because especially when Tatum is involved, either as the role man or the ball handler, 
the Heat send their guys to Tatum. Yeah, so, that's how like, Derek White got a few stuff, uh, a few layup, layups and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think Derek White needs to read some of it better, but the fact he kept getting into the paint um, on either action, when he was both the ball handler and the short roller, he kept getting into the paint. He just has to read the game better. They're probably going to concede a short floater to him or a short jumper. Mm-hmm. He needs to be willing to take that, to punish that. And some of his second, the secondary looks too, especially for Horford are going to be there. He had a couple of pops and then made some really good passes that led to two of Derek White's shots. Yeah. So I think involving those secondary passers is going to be key because it simplifies the passes that Tatum and Brown have to make. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what, that's when they were, that's when they were doing well. Right. Um, exactly. In the, especially in games two, two, four and six. Oh no, sorry. Two, four and five. Two, four and five. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So, definitely. I guess what else you want to talk about? I mean, Jalen Brown missed free throws. I think the whole playoffs he's been missing. His, yeah. his free throw shooting has been not has not been good this whole playoffs, no. I feel. Although he was seven for seven before he missed those two. Traditionally, he's not even the best free, free throw shooter, which is weird because he's a decent three-point shooter. Like, yeah. What does he shoot? Like 60 something percent? It's 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 lower than it should be. It's way lower than it should be. And it's one of these weird conundrums. And I think it might be mental because you know he has shooting touch. He's a good three-point yeah, shooter. Yeah. He He's a good, good pull-up point. shooter. He's a good movement shooter. So there's no reason that a standstill set shot should be any different for him. 75% for uh, 75% this season for the regular season. Oh, 73%. Wow. It feels like it feels like it should be lower than that. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. But I think he still needs to work on that. And I do wonder if he should, since he loves Tracy McGrady so much, he should shoot it from the top of the circle instead of the free throw <laughs> line, like T Mac used to do. Maybe that'll improve it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Um, but yeah, I think the and I think the other thing that the, the Celtics didn't do quite a good job of, um, especially when the Heat were putting all that pressure on them, was I mean, Jalen Brown gets to the room whenever the hell he wants. There's yeah. no one on the Heat that can stay in front of him. And in some of the actions that they had been running, like the double screens on some of the pick and rolls, the Heat have been doing a really good job of pressuring him to not let him get downhill because they know they can't let him get downhill. So I think the Celtics need to do a little bit better job of getting Brown attacking early in transition because there's no stopping that. And that's going to open things up. It's going to open the floor. So... I don't know. Do you want to get into game seven predictions looking ahead and stuff? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Um, okay. Cause just the, the, the thing that I would caution that the um, Celtics, I think the Celtics don't need to over adjust. I, this is a close game. They were all, they're right there. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, like it took a Herculean effort from Jimmy Butler and the game was neck and neck the whole game. It was, yeah, an eight-point game at the end, but it was like razor thin. Mm-hmm. And that was Butler playing on one leg and making a historic performance. So you go into that with that mindset and you're like, okay, well, we, if we got punched in the mouth. It's our turn to fight back. And I think they will. I just think that they have to be very cautious about over 
um, you know, overcorrecting or overadjusting because they have stuff that they can go to and they have good defensive coverages. They just got to, um, they also have to execute the play better adjustment, but they also can't get in their head. I think they made several mistakes towards the end. They can't yeah. let the heat speed them up. They have to play at their own. They have to play their game, their tempo. Do you think like they had, they just had memories from 20, uh, 2018? <laughs> maybe, but maybe that memory is a good thing because they were this close losing to LeBron James. Were, were they up 3-2? They, they were up 3-2 that series. But right. then so, seven in Boston. They have, and they've played the Heat. In, in a previous round in previous years and oh, they've, yeah. they've had some heartbreak so yeah. i think it's good that the celtics already even though they're young they have that experience and they already know what that feels like so hopefully this is a character game for them so hopefully they can kind of pull it out and at least um pull out all the stops you have to show your whole hand put everything on the table win this game yeah, I mean, the, the only thing that worries me is, I mean, we know, like, Jimmy probably won't re recreate that performance that he had today. He might. But, but well, he might, but let lower chance, I guess. But now that he's at home, maybe the, the role players start playing a bit better. So that's one, that one, that might be the bit, because uh, they usually play better at home. You might, they might, who do you think, there might be, like, a Grant Williams type game from, <laughs> From, from the heat, heat yeah, yeah. And well, here's the thing, uh, yeah. Vic. I'm watching for Victor Oladipo. He's scaring me. He had a good game, what game four in the blowout, right? Yeah, and he didn't play poorly last night. He's get he's looking confident. Mm-hmm. I don't want. I know, like he didn't play super well last night, but I'm I am like keeping my role. eye on Oladipo. So if if you had any candidate from the Heat to have a Grant Williams type game, game seven, uh, Tyler Hero. Nick. Tyler Hero's got to play. I mean, he might play, right? If he, he doesn't could... play, it it might be Tyler Hero. But I mean, the, he has a groin strain. We'll see. He's probably gonna get pushed around on defense. I think it's Oladipo. Max... He he's still on this like pickpocketing streak. It's crazy. Yeah, dude, he got so many steals, dude. That that really, yeah. Flashbacks to game three as well. Stealing yeah. from Tatum and Brown. So, yeah. Um, How from the I, Heat I side? Who, who are you picking? No, from the Heat side, you kind of laid out what you think Boston should do. Like, keep the same game plan, but play more within. Oh, you think? What, what, should the, what do you think the Heat need to yeah, do? I mean, because if, if Jimmy doesn't have... I guess Jimmy has to keep the same level of aggression. But you can't expect yeah. him to make all the same shots he did today. Or last night, sorry. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure they're also keeping in mind, like, okay, well, Jimmy just did that to them. So, if I mean, Boston probably is going to send more help to them. So, if so Jimmy gotta is be ready to get more attention, who's, who's going to capitalize? So, that's why your, your question of which role player, which other guy is going to step up for the heat is an extremely relevant question yeah um and i don't know i mean if hero plays maybe on the offensive end it is hero but 
anyone but Max Truce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just think like it's going to be dependent on the others for the Heat. And I think it's going to be for the Celtics not making mistakes. Because it was a lot of it was them kind of shooting themselves in the foot, not reading, reading the game appropriately, consistently yeah. at least. Horford did a great job. Um, Derek White had his moments. We need Horford to make a few more shots, though. He's one, one from six from three. Got to yeah. make a, he's a one, one or two more. <laughs> right. I agree. Um, so, <laughs> who are you picking? TV. Hmm. I mean, game seven's on the road. I mean, we know that Boston can win on the road, so. Oh, should I go with the historical pick? Like, game winners of game five in a 2-2 series, like 83%. Boston? I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I'm definitely rooting for Boston, though. Um, yeah, for sure. I'm gonna I pick, do. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm going to pick Boston. <laughs> Just out of homerism. But I think yeah. it better be another close game, though. I hope so. Knock on wood. I'm, I'm going to go for Boston, too, because I think that they have more stuff to go to. But I am worried that they're going to tighten up. And Miami knows now, okay, we can, we can speed them up. We can change their tempo. So if Boston takes care of business, it's up, they can win. But if Miami's going to continue to do a good job of speeding them up and making them make errors, then I don't see Boston winning. I want to see it. it, Yeah. It it really depends on whether, whether your, your question of which heat members step up and whether the Celtics shoot themselves in the foot. So that's where I'm going with it. I think we need, I think the Celtics will need like a, a Jason Tatum, like, Similar, like basically Jason Tatum doing what Jimmy Butler did last game. I think so. Yeah, good. I think he did it last last series, forty six points against the Milwaukee in Game Six, something like that, right? Something like that. Yeah, he went crazy that game. So he needs to, we need something like that from him when the Heat are like either pulling away or cutting a lead. Yep. Um, quick question before we move on to the West. Um. Who are your candidates for the Larry Bird Eastern Conference MVP? Well, Jimmy Butler. <laughs> yeah, of course. If Miami wins, it's Jimmy Butler, and there's no question. Yeah, I mean, he, he played shit on the games they lost, but in the games they, they've won. Well, like, game two, he was not there. Game, the game, game three, he wasn't there for half the game. But Right. I think for game six alone. <laughs> yeah. Who win the, he won the award in game six alone. Yeah, but he's still like been he's been crushing it almost every other game. He he played yeah. pretty bad last game, but um he's been a stud and Jimmy Butler is one of the 10 best players in the NBA, no question. Yeah, well this is like fourth fourth 40 point game of the of the of this playoff. Crazy. Yeah, something like that. Jimmy Butler. Um, and if if Boston wins, who are you giving it to? Before tonight, I was I was I think I think it was gonna I was gonna say Al Al Horford. Wow. Al Horford. I'll, remember, Al missed the game. He missed game one, right? He missed game one. Yeah. Al Horford or Tatum, I think those are my two candidates, probably. Yeah. I I am gonna go with Tatum. 
Um, but at the same time, Al has been fantastic. So, yeah. uh, but I don't know. I, I think it should go to Tatum. Personally. No, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes to Tatum also, but we'll have to see what happens in game seven. Uh, but I think, I think it was going to go to Al just because, especially after game five, you played so well in game five. Yeah. But Tatum's been the consistent star and all that stuff. Best so that's, player. yeah. Best player, best, um, player, best player, yeah. He's been their best player. All right, let's let's move on to the West where the Golden State Warriors are officially back. Back to the NBA Finals. They've been to, whenever they made the playoffs since 2015, they made the finals. What the Shit. actual. <laughs> yeah, damn, that's crazy. So yeah, they the Warriors gentlemen sweep the Mavs. Um, and man, I, I gotta say, like going into the series, I saw like a ton of people. I want to say it was majority, but many had the Mavs winning in like five or six. Five. I've never. Like, oh. I haven't. I never saw five or six. To be honest, I just, I had. I personally had them in seven. <laughs> you had the Mavs in seven. Yeah. Yeah, I I had wrong. the Warriors in six actually. Because, yeah, I think because a ton of people are like, oh, well, who the, who, who the fuck's guarding Luka on the Warriors? Like, point to the guy. I was like, uh, the, all five of them. <laughs> you said Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, Andrew Wiggins. But then it's like, okay, but then all five of them. So what now? <laughs> and they all guarded, yeah. They had a really good game plan. I mean, the zone. They, they continued to switch up the coverages. And I think the, the thing that the Mavs did was... Um, not take advantage of pace because what I what I saw in the many games that I watched were in game one, of course the Mavs tried to hunt Steph. I mean that's that's yeah. pretty much everyone's game plan. But uh, one, it didn't work because Steph hard hedged, and he hard hedges very well. So you're if you think the Warriors are just gonna give that matchup up, you're wrong. They've but learned when. <laughs> Even when they got the matchup, even Luca couldn't create good stuff out of it. Yeah. I was surprised. Like, Steph did a really good job, this, especially this series, but the whole playoffs, like, Steph Curry basically took Desmond Bain out of the Grizzly series. Mm. And it, because they kept trying to attack him and Steph was holding up, the Mavs kept fighting the shot clock. Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of the scheme, right? They make it, they, try really hard not to have the switch and they eventually do but by the time they do it's already low on shot low in the shot clock exactly and so i thought that that made luca even though he had great scoring like volume he wasn't as efficient as he usually was and he didn't create as much for his teammates because they just kept trying to do that so in games 2 and 3 i actually started to become a little frustrated with the maps because it was clear that they were kind of finding something like if they, when they were playing out of the pick and roll, and it didn't matter who was initiating it, it was um, Luca or Dinwiddie or Brunson, they yeah. were doing a good job of playing out of that because the Warriors, they, they don't play drop. They kind of hand you a rotation. And the Mavs do a good job of playing out of that rotation. And they were, they were in control early on of games two and three. Yes. But then they started going away from it. Um, because they started slowing their pace down again 
those times when they were playing out of the pick and roll, their pace was really good. And they were firing on all cylinders, making quick decisions, quick passes. But when they started to hunt and go back into isolation mode, that's when the Warriors started to catch them. They found success playing out of the pick and roll and they just went away from it. And it was frustrating for me. <laughs> yeah, I think also, I mean, 100% what you're saying. Um, and I think even, even they also created a lot of good like open threes, especially when they, they played did. the zone. Uh, yes, but they did. I think what, game three, they didn't take advantage. They all, all, the, all, all of it went into game four, but game three, like specifically, I think Reggie Bullock went 0 for 10. Oh, yeah. makes, if he makes like two of those, it's a different game. Cause I think they were down, they were, they were down like five, 10 or 10, like 10 or five points, five to 10 points in like the Something last. Like that, yeah. And if he had made two of those earlier, it would have been pretty much a tie game. So, right. But that's why it was so important. You got to take, the game right there because I mean it's basketball if you and they say it all the time it's a make or miss league they had they did have great process in game three and they they did a good job of finding the open guys but you have to make them yep and so you know it sucks because they really could have had game two and if they didn't go away I thought if they didn't go away from what they liked to do and were putting pressure on the Warriors. I thought they could have tied that series and then they, maybe they lose game three. Then they win game four. It's like a two, two series instead of being down three. Oh yeah. What, you know what, what I mean? What happened in game? Cause I, I, I couldn't watch game two cause I was busy. Um, but yeah. I was following the score and they were up 19 or so. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So basically it was early on. They were, they weren't necessarily pushing the pace super hard, but they were doing a lot of stuff in transition um, to try to get early actions and early rotations. Um, and they were playing out of the pick and roll instead of, instead of hunting someone in isolation, they were trying to involve the warriors weak points in, in actions. So um, instead of just trying to go one-on-one -on -one versus Steph and Jordan Poole, they were being involved in double double screening actions, double drags, straight pick and rolls. And the Mavs were finding good stuff out of that. And then midway through the third, um, they just kind of went away from it. And I don't think the Warriors necessarily did anything to take that away. Mm -hmm. They kind of tightened up the help. But if the Warriors are tightening up the help, you can still play out of that because there's help. You force yeah. the rotation. Now you have to execute better, and they were forcing the Mavs short roller to make plays. And the short rollers are Kleba, Powell, Finney Smith. Yeah, they're not the best. Not their <laughs> optimal role, and that's what I found in Game Five, especially. But you can still kind of play out of that. There's stuff that you can do. Like mm -hmm. I don't think that they went to good rescreening actions. And one thing that I thought that they could have done, and Luca did it once and i thought okay they better save that and they they need to do that and this is something that damian lillard figured out very early after, especially after that pelican series um when you hit the short roller go for a handoff immediately that's what those, they they should just follow what the warriors the warriors do it all the time <laughs> exactly and this is something damian lillard figured out too and that's why you can't even if you send two to the ball and you're gonna let 
the Blazers run a short roll, Damien's going to come right back to get it. Steph does it all the time. That's what the Warriors do because yeah. it forces the, the guy helping to come up to get a closeout. You have another rotation. Yeah, and then you, it's, it's, it's Luca attacking that instead of Maxi Kleber exactly. or where Dwight Powell. Like, I clipped it. Luca did it once and they didn't do it again. And I was like, that is a shame because I, they found what, something that really worked and that can really punch the Warriors in the mouth and they didn't take advantage. Yeah, see, this is where Luca can start like doing more off-ball stuff. I hope like other players start to see that. That's the thing, yeah. And I, you know, Luca's gonna be this heliocentric guy, I think, for the rest of his career. Like it, it is what it is. But the thing is, when I remember scouting Luca before the draft, his draft, and of course I had him as the consensus number one pick, but um when I'm looking at it, I was like, okay, this guy, he knows how to move off the ball because he played in EuroLeague. Like Madrid was not playing heliocentric. You don't play heliocentrism in Europe. You just don't. So Luca knew how to play off the ball. And with a Slovenian national team, especially when he was younger, Luca was playing off ball. Goran Dragic was handling almost as much of the offense as he was. So I know Luca knows how to do it. I think he's just building these habits of doing everything. I hope that it, yeah, he should go back to that. I think like having that diverse, if you can't always trust your teammates to do the short role, if, if they don't have like a Draymond Green type who, who has a good decision, exactly. right? Exactly. If you don't have that secondary um, playmaker, you better just get it back. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's like, he has a little bit. This is gonna sound pretty bad. He has a little bit of James Harden syndrome. I mean, I think it was worse before, or is it still the same? No, <laughs> no it's pretty bad. <laughs> um, yeah. How do yeah, you think I, Wiggins I, did it? How 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 do you think Wiggins did on him? He did fantastic. Are you, are you gonna credit it mostly to the team 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 defense? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna credit to the team because. Wiggins wasn't always the only one guarding him. He had like, and when he was, he had help behind him also. Exactly. But Wiggins' job isn't to stop Luka. There's no stopping Luka alone. I mean, he still, he still had like a crazy scoring series, like numbers. Exactly. Like, raw numbers wise. Yeah. Your job as an individual defender is to bring him to the spots he's le- least comfortable, which there's no place Luca isn't comfortable. He basically has every shot yeah. and every pass. It's really just you have to make him get rid of the ball because if he gets rid of the ball and it's to someone that you're okay living with, he's, Luca's not getting the ball back. That's the consequence of the way Luca plays. So Wiggins did a really good job of being physical with him, making him think. But it's really the Warriors that constantly changed their coverages. They they have they threw two different zones. They did a box in one. Box in um, one was pretty. They did a three and two. Yeah. They switched their coverages constantly to make Luca think. So the Mavs are playing slow, trying to mismatch Hunt, giving them less and less time, and then Luca has to spend the extra time figuring out okay what coverage are they in and what's going to be open. 
So yeah. brilliant from the Warriors. And that's like a Mike Brown like style of defense. So the I mean, he, Sacramento Kings hired a great coach. Mike Brown's a defensive genius. He has been for a long time. Ever since his Cleveland days, I mean, they were one of the best defenses in the league. It's exa- well, that's exactly why that Cavs team was so good. I mean, other than LeBron James, Mike Brown probably deserves um, almost as much credit because that Cavs team was a freaking machine defensively. No one will say, don't tell that to the LeBron fans. <laughs> I mean, you just got to be honest with it, right? Like the Cavs sucked on offense other than LeBron. And the thing that kept them in games was their defense. And it was really good. It was a really good defense. Yep. Fantastic defense. And that's Mike Brown. Mike Brown's an excellent coach. Let's go to the Warriors side. How do you, how do you think they played this year? I mean, obviously they won, so they played well. But... Right. I think the what the the Warriors do really well. So of course the Mavs were hunting Steph, right? The thing that I like about the Warriors' approach is that they don't go just go. Oh, we're gonna find the weakness and isolate him. Oh yeah, no, it's a movement heavy offense. What they do, exactly, they're a movement-heavy offense. So what they do is, okay, we're going to involve you in our actions. We're going to have to make you defend in space. And you're going to have to figure that shit out. You have to and know our defensive coverages. What, exactly. What switch. Right. And so when Stephen Curry is coming off the handoff, you're going to have to jump out to it. And if all your mem- momentum is going out that way, Steph was getting to the rim and, and I thought that that was when I started seeing Steph getting to the rim so easily, I was like, that's game over for the Mavs because this year it kind of showed that Stephen Curry was getting to the rim less and less and less. Like I was looking at the percentages and I can pull them up real quick, but they've Mm -hmm. been steadily declining to the point where now it's like, it, it, it's really a significantly decreased part of his game. Yeah. Um, very, like I noticed he passes out, out a lot more. Yes. He gets to the, he gets, he gets there, but then he doesn't shoot or maybe cause he can't, or he doesn't want to shoot over the big man as he's not crafty anymore. And his finishes maybe, or he feels they just ended up passing it out or something, which is, I think it's different from age. before. I think it's age. He so, doesn't, so one of the things that Steph was really good at when he was younger, he didn't have high, he didn't jump very high, but what he was very good at was jumping forward. Mm. And he had hang time, so he would jump, he'd be able to like corral the ball and then change, so he'd like put the ball up to yeah. show the ball. Shot blocker would go for it and then he'd change it, right? So he'd bring it back down and then change it. But because he had that hang time, he could do that. He doesn't have that hang time anymore and he knows it. So 34. Looking at, <laughs> exactly. So looking at the percentage of field goal attempts by distance. So at the rim um, and basketball references, zero to three feet. So in 2015, he was basically at like 18 and a half percent. 2016 is like 22 and a half, 22 next year. And it starts to steadily decline. So 2019, it's, from it's now at 14 so it's oh, dropped seven wow. percent and then 2021 uh we're still at 14 and now it's at 12 
So it's gone yeah. down a significant yeah. amount. And I imagine his shooting percentages as well aren't the they're they're the same, but because his volume is down, he doesn't get to the rim as much. So yeah. but but that's why when I say like, oh, now Steph's getting to the rim and making his shots, like his the Mavs have nothing. <laughs> because I mean, when you involve Luca in space, Luca Luca was gassed. Like his closeouts were terrible. Want to know why Andrew Wiggins looked so good in this series? Because every time the Warriors would run these actions, Luca had guarded two or three actions prior to closing out to Wiggins. And so that was an easy blow-by for Wiggins. Yeah. Yeah, Luca's defense is... I mean, people have tried to... People say he's like, okay, but it is kind of exposed a little bit this <laughs> this series. Right, right. And... Blown by Wiggins. That's a thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> I... You know, I, I, on our Twitter, I made a, a I clipped um, what the Warriors did to Nikola Jokic. It was a pretty similar thing, constantly involving him and making him have to close out um, and make him have to use his foot speed. So um, it, it did wear down on Jokic, but Jokic made a, a ton of good plays, whereas Luka, I don't think, was able to manage that. He kept getting burned, blown by, and he doesn't. Yeah. Luca doesn't have the help, um, help defense that Jokic does. Mm-hmm. So it, it was actually a pretty bad defensive series for Luca, and not enough people are talking about it. Luca's fantastic. I love Luca Doncic, but his defense was pretty bad. And it doesn't help that because he has to do everything for the Mavs on offense, he has no gas. Exactly. Yeah, there. So I think that's also part of the Warriors' game plan tire him out on defense. Makes it easier. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's exactly what Phoenix tried to do, and then just stopped doing it for some reason. Ooh, Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we weren't we weren't gonna talk about Phoenix, but I mean, that's that was the downfall of Phoenix. They stopped doing that thing, and it, clearly, it's still effective. Luca was gonna yeah. try tooth and nail, but he would give up some drives. Yep, exactly. Jordan Poole was getting past him. Andrew against you mentioned it's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. I it's not. Lucas improved on defense. He's better than he was last year, but because he has to do so much, there's only so much you can give. Um, and he doesn't have a ton of tools, and it doesn't help. He's not in the best shape either. It doesn't seem like. Yeah. The I, do you think I, you think that's something he comes back with next year? fitter basically (laughs) fitness is probably going to be the number one thing he needs to work on um he'll even he'll admit like he said it on jj reddick's podcast he like oh well after the olympics i didn't really work out i was just like doing basketball drills and that wasn't good um so if he ever gets chiseled (laughs) right but i mean he now has a full off season because I mean, he did have to go to the Olympics, and you know that's a no Euro basket thing. or anything this year, right? I would hope not. I I hope he doesn't play because I think he needs to, um, he needs to figure his body out. Just save it for the World Cup next year or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, well, well, there it is. There it is happening this year, September first to September eighteenth. <laughs> fuck, that's right. Eh, but he know. has he has like a couple months. Unless yeah. there's some pre-qualifiers or whatever, but who knows? Uh, yeah. 
And I, I, I know he's going to want Slovenia to be there, but man, that's, that's going to be a lot. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, um, let's, let's start to, let's make our way to closing out here. Stephen wait, Curry. One, wait, I want to shout out one thing. Uh, Clay Thompson's game, game five was really, game six, Clay. Oh, yes, of course. Game yeah, six, he Clay played showed up well. in game five. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Hey, man, game six, Clay in the previous series too, man. Like, yeah. I love that. I I have to give him huge props because, man, coming back from those injuries, going through everything and being this good, like this really was the best case scenario. And um, much respect to Clay. It's why he's my favorite player. I I really respect what he's done. Yeah, like I think I think everyone is very happy for him and as they should be. Yeah. Everyone loves Clay. <laughs> everyone loves Clay. He's been great. Um but yeah, let's talk about Steph Curry winning the inaugural Magic Johnson Western Conference Finals MVP. Yes. So finally he went to some finals MVP. <laughs> some kind of a series MVP, which he should have won in 2015. But yeah, I mean, do you do you think anyone else should have won it? I mean, was there ever an argument for anybody else? I mean, the the, the broadcast tried to put uh, throw in Kevon Looney and Andrew Wiggins' names in the hat, but right, no way, <laughs> no way. I mean, if you just looked at like the box score, um, I guess even from an eye test standpoint too, because they they fit you physically watch them put the ball into the bucket several times and so that, grab the rebounds in, and grab the rebounds in Looney's scenario in Looney's case, yeah, huge oh, rebounds. You know what? You're right. We we didn't talk enough about the the Warriors others because holy shit did they play well. Looney like, played well. Looney was fantastic. He really was. His rebounding interior presence that was awesome. They needed that, and he, he deserves all the playing time that he. I think he, he wasn't. I, I I didn't I didn't watch so much of the Grizzlies series, but he wasn't playing part of that series, right? I mean, he was like yeah. for a bit. Yeah. Totally and, earned. We earned his pace playing time. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And having Looney play that well, not just rebounding in defense, but he had some short roll passes too. It was like, oh, he's been watching Draymond. So, like, if you have that type of a guy, when you bench Draymond, you have another reliable big man that can do that stuff and have reliable pressure points. Yeah. I, That's I huge for the Warriors. I thought it they never have to go, go big again. They didn't have to go, like, uber small because yeah. they have Looney. Yeah, they have like uh they they trust the, that lineup without Draymond. Like they, they put in Otto Porter instead because Kevon Looney's still there pretty good. And Porter yeah. can kind of cover well enough. Yeah. Right. So it's pretty interesting. I like he wasn't like Draymond with foul trouble, they were still able to do well. Oh yeah, yeah. No, Hugh, Looney is huge for them. And then of course Andrew Wiggins. Um, he did a great job of taking advantage. And I mean, he played off of the three Warriors shooters and he was really a play finisher. That's the thing. But he did a great job of recognizing, okay, Luca is making a sloppy closeout. I'm getting whatever the hell I want right now. I mean, you got to dunk on him on game, game three. Oh, <laughs> how do we not, how we not talked about that dunk? Oh my God. Wait, that dunk and Jalen Brown's dunk as well. My God. Jalen Brown went all Michael Jordan and us. Oh my God. Those those are like 
those are some of the best ducks I've seen in a while. Like, wow. Yeah, they were so ferocious as well. Like, the rim was, like, shaking. <laughs> there are just these plays that you will just remember in, like, forever. Those two are going to be one. Like, KD's shot from last year yes. is one I remember. Bam Adebayo's block on Caden oh. is another one. Like, Kawhi's game went... Like, there's just so many, like, these little moments that he's like... Well, I guess they're not little moments. You just remember... Those the Giannis Aliyup, the Giannis Aliyup block. Yeah, there's so many of those. Aliyup so, block and and the Aliyup in game game five, the Drew steal to Aliyup. Oh, yeah, that one. Absolutely. I always get goosebumps watching that. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm I'm very happy that you brought up um, Clay, Looney, Wiggins because those those guys were very much needed. Like the Warriors don't punch the the Mavs the way they did without those other guys because, I mean. Steph is gonna get all the all the defensive attention. Like I have clips of I have clips of the Mavs basically just like, okay, with Steph's in the corner, our guy is just gonna like not let him leave. (laughs) Exactly. So, but that's that's kind of the point I'm trying to make too. It's like with the who should have gotten the conference finals. Yeah, Wiggins may have had a couple of games where he scored more, and you watch him put the actual ball into the basket more often visually and then you look at the box score and you see like oh Wiggins played out of his mind but he's doing that because the Mavs are like sending two guys to Curry in the corner and everything in the middle is open for him exactly exactly you credit the guy and I'm not knocking Wiggins because when that advantage is there that's it's not as simple as oh cool I have this wide open layout like you have to take advantage of it you have to continue to continue to take advantage of that pressure. Secondary playmaking, as we see in the the Celtics Heat series, is incredibly important. Yeah, but do we credit the guy exploiting the advantage or the guy creating the advantage in the first place? I'm, we do it when when it's uh, when they had when they had the ball and like you know assisted them, but not right. when it's off ball movement. It's kind of strange. Exactly. And I mean, like, if, if Curry draws two off a of pin down and he pitches the ball to Wiggins and Wiggins takes two dribbles, gets into a step back, like, Curry's the one who drew two. And then the help guy ran to Wiggins, so Wiggins played off of that. But Curry doesn't get the assist, even though he drew yeah. the advantage. It happens with the Draymond short rolls all the time. Yeah, Curry draws two, pitches it to Draymond, Draymond kicks it to the corner, corner guy kicks it to the wing for a wide open shot. Yeah, Curry advantage created the initial advantage. I mean, that's why Curry is like one of the be- like one of the best offensive weapons of all time. Of all time. So that's that's kind of the thing. It's like, are you going to give it to the guy who created that advantage, creates all that chaos for the defense, the guy that the defense actually cares about, or the guy finishing the play? I mean. No, uh, it's to the guy creating. Exactly. <laughs> At least that's what, I think that's what exactly. we're thinking about. That's how we're thinking yes, about exactly. it. Yes, um, exactly. So the next, I guess the next question here is, let's say, let's remove the winning part of it. Let's remove the awkwardness of giving an MVP, a series MVP to the guy in the losing team. Between Steph and between Luca, just based on the way they played, would you give it to? How do you remove the? Are you removing the awkwardness? 
Are we still saying it's over in five? Let's say. I think, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, let's it's just hard. just trying to take it based on the way these individuals play, which I know is hard to separate from the team. But let's say yeah. you you watch these guys play, but you didn't know what the score was. I think I'd still give it to Steph, but the, I mean that's yeah. I think still I think I still give it to Steph, especially considering the defensive side where Steph was hideable at the very least and even yeah. good at, at, at best. While Luca was just bad. Yeah, Luca was bad. And um, then offensively, I mean, the, their arguments for both depends. I guess depends what how you think about basketball. But yeah, I, def- I think I'd lead Steph even offensively just because everyone yeah. else gets so involved. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I think um, totally right about the defensive side of it because Steph was a, a clear positive and Luca was a clear negative. I'm just looking at Twitter right now and it's like, oh, Luca Doncic. Like people are ranking Luca over Steph, which I think is a mistake. And I've seen people say he's the best player in the league. Like he's not. <laughs> Yeah, Jan- I mean, is still there. <laughs> I, there to me, there is a clear top two guys in the league. Is it still Jokic and Embiid? Jokic, it's Jokic and Jan is pretty easily for me. Not to spoil certain things, but oh yeah, plug for the top fifteen, the top ten, <laughs> the top ten. It's the top ten. <laughs> um, but yeah. Curry is still up there. And I, at this point, Luca hasn't gotten to Stephen Curry. He just hasn't. Hmm. Um, I guess that brings us to the, the final part of this. Um, two more questions. Candidates for all NBA playoff MVP. And our criteria is basically anybody who's made the conference finals is eligible. Because we want to see you play yeah. multiple games. Yeah. So, so I guess candidates w- would be Curry, Curry, Luca, Luca for the Mavs, Butler for the Heat, and I guess Jason Tatum for the Celtics. Yeah. Who would you give it to at this point in time? Probably Steph. Yeah, probably Steph. I'm. I am a little bit Very leaning Jimmy. a little bit towards Butler, maybe, but. I'm. I'm. It's for me. It's between Steph and Butler. Yeah. And I I, think, yeah. Butler's had bigger, bigger performances. Like, I don't right. think Steph has, had, has Steph had a forty-point game this this playoff. I don't think so. He might have had one, but at the same time, yeah. Stephen Curry has been the most consistent star. For sure. Like he has like every like game is like Jimmy. twenty-five to thirty points every yeah. game. Yeah. And. And the defense is consistent, so it's like, you know, I think. And plus, Butler's not healthy. He had the, he had these great games, but he also kind of sucked in Game Five. He sucked in Game Five. He sucked in Game Four. Yeah. So he was half out for half of Game Three. <laughs> yeah, I think my giving it to Butler might be a little bit of recency bias because of what happened last night. But you know, I think you're right. I think Steph is the playoff MVP as of right now. We'll see what happens in the finals, and yeah. Then the finals. <laughs> well, I think also, I think um, if the Heat end up winning this, their MVP would actually be Draymond because holy <laughs> shit. No, I'm not. I, I'm like half kidding. 
joke, but I'm half kidding. Finals MVP for the Heat that when they win the championship will be Draymond, Draymond Green. Yeah, Draymond Green. <laughs> we did not mention Draymond at all this whole time. It's so weird. Well, a That's little true. bit on the short roll stuff. Yeah. He didn't he didn't have the best series against the Mavs. I think they were specifically trying to take his stuff away. And he was defensively, he did a good job on Brunson. Yeah. Like putting Draymond on Brunson was really smart. I thought he did a good job. But because he was had more on-ball duties, he didn't feel his defensive presence. But the rest of the playoffs, oh, Draymond was there. Like he was so key in the other two series. Yeah. What what game was that where he made a he made a uh, top of the key jump shot with his foot on the line and he started like going and then the stat line showed he only had four points <laughs> I don't remember I, I, I was like wow Draymond okay <laughs> alright Draymond good job <laughs> um, alright so I guess let's do a quick finals prediction for uh, for either team yeah, so- if the Heat advance who would you have well I, it sucks that injuries are playing a big part in this, but I think I, I would take the Warriors here Yeah. against the Heat. And how many games? They've done every series in five, right? Yeah. Wait, no. Grizzlies was six. Six. I think, yeah, then, yeah. Golden State in six. I'm going to go Golden State in five. Well, they still they might have GP two and Godala coming back too, huh? GP two is a huge one. Yeah, you can you can get away with a small lineup because I don't know that Miami can really Miami's size and might actually hurt them a little bit. They're not because, so big, also though, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the the Warriors just have three pressure points, and the Heat have like. Right now, they don't even have one with Butler being hobbled and Hero not being healthy. So they may end up with like about one between the two of them. So, but the Warriors have three consistent ones and then several guys that can take advantage. Yeah, but I, I, could, I could see like Jimmy do, pulling like two games similar to how he did in 2020, even though they were overmatched. Yeah. Um, Who knows? But that's only two games. Right. And that's, that's why he, uh, in six. <laughs> but I don't know if even if one of those games he does that, the Warriors might still win because of their firepower. So that's, that's why. And Spo is like a genius too. And Butler can win them one game. So I'll go with. I will go with Heat and five. Warriors and five. Warriors and five. <laughs> and so let's say the Celtics advance. Who would you take? This one would be the more fun matchup. And- I would agree. I would be really interested to see how the Warriors play the double big lineup of the Celtics, Horford Williams. Yeah, because I guess they have they have their own one with with Green and Looney. Yeah, but the Celtics are much bigger than anyone they've played. I guess maybe Memphis would be the closest team that they're similar that they play the similar to the Celtics in terms of size. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in that in that one. I'm just gonna pick the homer pick Celtics in seven. Wow, <laughs> nice. I haven't actually. I think I picked the the Celtics in every series they've been in. So you think the Celtics are gonna win the championship? I guess so. Wow. Okay. Well, 
I picked yeah, actually I picked them I picked them to win game seven. Yeah. Yeah. It's I hope we're picked though. Seven too. Um for me. I'm picking the Warriors in six. I think it doesn't matter who the Warriors play, they're gonna win. Dang, we're back to that. It's back yeah, to my late 2010s. And and my my big reason is um the Warriors, both the Celtics and the Warriors make a ton of mistakes. The Warriors make a ton of turnovers, so do the Celtics. But when that happens, can the Celtics recover the way the Warriors do? No chance. Like the Warriors could make have like five straight possessions of turnovers and go down by like 10, 15. But in the next three minutes, bam, they're back in the game. They have, the Celtics don't have that. That's true. And I think the Warriors have just so many solutions to certain things. Whereas the Celtics, yeah, they have a lot of solutions, but I think that it's obvious what you can do to the Celtics in terms of rattling them, taking them away from the things they like to do. And then where do they go from there? There's still a good team playing out of that stuff, but the Warriors are just on another level because there's no taking away what they do. They'll just switch it up on you. They'll punish you. If you're trying to try to take something away, they'll slip, right? You can't take away everything they do. They will always have a counter. And now that they have the personnel to do all of this, I think the Warriors are going to win no matter what. That's sad to hear. <laughs> I know. No, I'm, I'm saying that any of these three remaining teams can win the title this year. Any three of them. For sure. For sure. But I think the Warriors are the favorite. Yeah, but I think it's close. I, I think Boston's definitely closer, though, than Miami, in my opinion, though. Like in- I would agree. That's, that's why I picked uh, self, uh, in six. <laughs> in Warriors six instead of five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think I trusted the Celtics defense though to figure something out. Um, although, yeah, has the the Warriors haven't faced a defense this good yet, but yeah, not the, uh, the Celtics haven't faced an offense this good either. <laughs> That's true too. Both see both statements are true. Both statements are true. I think um, it'll be hard. It might be harder for the Celtics defense to adjust because the 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 offenses they've played are pretty. Pretty stagnant compared to the Warriors, especially right. the bu- the Bucks. The Bucks. Yeah. Now here here's the thing with that Warriors team too. If they play either the Celtics or the Heat, both are switch heavy teams, and the, the the teams that have traditionally done well against the Warriors are switching defenses because when you switch, you don't the Warriors get rotations if you're not doing that. If you're in a drop, that's a rotation because yeah. they're gonna attack that. They're gonna they're going to punish that drop. If you put two on the ball, they already know how to punish that. It's the switching where they may have a little bit of trouble, but at the same time, I'm like, but this is the Warriors. They have all these off-ball things to counter that. And if you switch, they have basically like every counter, like, oh, now when we do this, we can ghost that action. Now Jordan Poole is ghosting and running to the other wing. Now you have to close out to that. Or Draymond Green slips. And he has an automatic short roll. I, that's why when I say the Warriors they have, <laughs> they have built-in counters. The handoff thing, if they have built-in counters. And in fact, b- what I worry about the Celtics in particular is if they put Rob Williams on Draymond, 
or even if they do this to Looney, because I think they just know how to do this at this point, they sag way off Draymond, which I actually think is a big mistake just because just he can't do the, shoot. Yeah. Because he'll hand off and then you have to close out the Steph player pool and then they can attack. Yeah, I mean, that's what they, that's how they defend like Duncan Robinson, Max Struess on those handoffs with Bam, right? Yeah. Think, that won't work against the Warriors. Yeah, think about that Steph with supercharged with three guys who can put the ball on the floor. <laughs> yeah, that's that's tough shit. So I think that that's why I think the Celtics can win that series. And so can the Heat because they have the tools to do that. But because the Warriors have counter on counter on counter and because they play like a free-flowing game, someone will find a crack somewhere. Someone will find an advantage somewhere. Gabe Vincent and Kyle Lowry still exist in that game. If yeah. Tyler Hero comes back, he still exists. So there's pressure points the Warriors can attack. Yeah, the Heat have, have more of those weaknesses compared to the Celtics. I feel like the Celtics can pull out a switchable lineup, Grant Williams or something, and Holford as the main big. Definitely. And I think a small lineup from that standpoint, like with Smart, White, Brown, Tatum, and Horford or even Grant, if you really want to get small, can work. Um, even with one big, it'll work. But I just don't know if they're going to be able to compensate for the offensive side because it's clear that the Warriors can... They're going to make Brown and Tatum... Um, skip passers and while they I don't think that they can quite shrink the passing lanes the way the heat do the they're not good passers and the Warriors are going to close out and they're going to stop you from playing out of that as much as they can yeah and the same thing with the heat if the the heat (coughs) their problem is getting that in the first place drawing that defense yeah totally looking forward to Sunday Yes, and June 2nd. June 2nd. That's a lot of days without basketball, but that's going to be a nice kind of refresher because I, I, have a, I have a feeling like no matter what happens, whether Celtics win or lose, I'm going to need some recovery time. <laughs> I need it now. I need it now. Dude, that game was oh, that game so heartbreaking. It was. Yeah. Close us out. Yeah, let's, let's wrap up here. Um, Thanks for listening. Let us know on our socials who you think is going to walk away with the title this year. Um, we are at GotNextBlog on Twitter and Instagram. Visit our website, gotnextsite.wordpress.com. Um, follow us on Hardwood Amino, the basketball social media app. Um, we are at GotNextPodcast on there. That's it for the show. Who's got next? Do the Warriors have got next again? Maybe. <laughs> got next again. The Celtics. Darwin Ham's got next. Ham's got next.